What's good, y'all? My name is Dylan Green, and this is Real Notes, a space dedicated to blurring the cultural and artistic lines between rap and film. I'm here to chop it up with everyone from rappers and producers to journalists and video directors about their relationship to movies and how, if at all, film inspires their craft. My guest this week is producer, rapper, DJ, professor, label head, and cultural ambassador Susie Antelope. We spoke about the adaptation of Octavia Butler's Kindred, Spike Lee's Malcolm X, Menace to Society, The Color Purple, Ice Spice, Teaching Hip Hop at a College Level, Finding Meaning in Music, and the process behind her latest album, Infinite Zones. Come fuck with us. What's cracking, everybody? Uh, welcome back. Uh, Real Notes, back, season three. Um, the world feels cool. It's not, but it feels cool. <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe, maybe that's just the food talking. I just made breakfast um, for the first time today. Uh, not, not ever. Let me stop. My name is Dylan Green, Cinema Side. <laughs> I got a lot of names and do a lot of shit, um, running around all crazy. But not like, not like, uh, not like this second guest of season three we got here. Um, this, uh, yeah, this guest we got here. She's, uh, I like I. I tried to prep for this, but I don't think I did it right. You just like, <laughs> you're, a, you're, let me see, you're a rapper, you're a producer, you're a DJ, you're a college professor. You're, um, you're a lot of things that I like, I can't even think of a joke right now. Cause there's like 18 other things in my head, but we got Susie Analog in the house today. Um, very, 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 very esteemed mover and shaker of music and culture and um fly nigga shit thank you thank you so much for being here i really appreciate it hey i'm happy to be here thanks for having me no of course you know um um i've been listening um i've been listening a lot to the new album and we're gonna talk about that and a lot of other shit but before we get there i'm gonna ask you everything I'm, i'm gonna ask you the first question i ask everybody who comes on here which was what was the last movie or TV show you watched that you had a strong opinion about? Oh, the last TV show was the Kindred series. The new. Kindred. Oh, how was that? I was enthralled. <laughs> I was, I was enthralled. I mean, I won't lie. And y'all don't come for me. I had not finished reading the book, but. I'm of course going to read the book and I I feel like you know they didn't make you have to read the book I've heard from people who are avid readers of that book saying that it the show didn't really follow the book to the T or anything um I'm really hoping they do another season of it but I love the retro futurism of it all so I I was really into it and it it's funny um it kind of struck me in a different way because it centers around a black femme identity living in a house alone which I do (laughs) I'm (laughs) like oh what if I started going back into time and nobody knew because I live here by myself and I'm stuck on a plantation and no one would know <laughs> um, that would be wild so you know now I'm a paranoid in a different way about my life <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 as if yeah as if life's you know as, as if life as a as a black person and then a black woman black femme on top of 
that isn't already paranoia inducing as it is like <laughs> um exactly and like sorry i didn't mean to cut you off <clears throat> um, i just said exactly got you um yeah so i had so i haven't started kindred yet but i'm a big octavia butler fan so it's been on my list forever like i'm trying to finish like four other shows right now it's insane but um on the on the on the topic of time travel and just like the whole like like i mean first and foremost it reminded me um it reminded me how much I really did you uh um um did you see that Janelle Monet Antebellum movie by any chance? Yes, yes, it 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 had touches of that too. That's another film that really I I mean I'm just really into American history. My family is indigenous to right. country. I'm here in North Carolina right now, and you know I've just watched <laughs> stuff like that, and I'm I'm really touched by the imagination um, to bring the past into the future in such um, such like striking ways. Yeah, I won't lie. I wish I liked Antebellum more. I think. Mm. Uh, I think I think it would have been cooler if it was a time travel thing and it wasn't just like, oh, yeah, these white people made this made this like colonist settlement and are like, I, I, it just it just didn't work for me. Yeah. Janelle Monet was great in it, but like I but 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 like I saw Kindred and I was like, oh, it seems like, you know, like it's that idea which obviously Octavia Butler wrote Kindred before Antebellum was even a thing. But like, right. I feel like I feel like that's a. I feel like Kindred's a more like complete and interesting idea or execution of that concept. And it's one that I've, like I said, I've been, I've been dying to tap in. I just haven't had the time. Um, but yeah, it centers around the idea that what if you could change some family history of yours? Um, and what if you could change something for your ancestors and help people into the future if you were able to go into the past with what you know today? And and I'm always toying with that just in day to day life. So right. I'm mad intergenerational. <laughs> That's hard. That like just the way you describe that, that sounds tight. Like that sounds like maybe nah damn maybe 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 I need to start it tonight. I'm a, I'm 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 a, I'm gonna I'm try. I'm gonna try. Yeah, I'm, try an episode I'm, and see. I mean, it was easy to watch. I mean, in a way, it was easy to watch. It, it wasn't, mm -hmm. I feel like it wasn't as heavy. Antebellum felt heavier. Yeah. Yeah. It it was. It um, you know, you know, like no offense to anybody, but it kind of felt antebellum kind of felt like torture porn to me a little bit mm. in like a and, and and like this was coming from somebody who really loves like actual, well, like, let me let me. I got to I got to be careful about how I say this. I love the Saw movies and stuff like that cuz mm -hmm. I was going to say actual torture porn but like that sounds crazy. So no, I'm, <laughs> I I mean like in terms of like horror films and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. But Antebellum kind of felt like that in like a in like a more exploitative and less thoughtful way than I would have liked him. I like that Kindred kind of feel it you know Kindred takes that idea and does something interesting in the sense of like, "Oh, let me go back you know, like what if I could alter alter the past and change the future a little bit and make things better or worse or whatever i'm just you know that's that's like also, also as a sci-fi fan that's exactly I, yeah. yeah yeah right and you, yeah and i already know you are so like for you let's run this back well um from the time you were young what's the first movie experience you could remember having it could be at the theater it could be at your cousin house wherever when i was 
I believe I was four. Um, my mom took me to see, well, she brought me in the theater with her to watch uh, Malcolm X. Oh, wow, at four? Yes. And Damn. she always said that. She said, and you sat there and you watched the whole thing. And you know that movie's like three hours long. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, cry. <laughs> you just watched the whole thing. And I slightly remember being in that dark movie theater with that memory. So, so, so now I gotta ask. Since you saw, damn, you, 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 you watched, you, you watched, Den, you watched Denzel get assassinated on stage when you were four years old. That's kind of crazy. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, so, do you remember the? Do you remember like the second time? Like, like I assume you saw the movie again after you saw it that first time. What was it like seeing it the second time, being a little older and not being four, and having a little more perspective? <laughs> When I watched it again, I had read the autobiography of Malcolm X. So right. I had more intel as to what actually happened. And Malcolm X is such a figure that I feel like, especially through the extension of being uh, participated in hip hop, that I learned something new all the time about right. like his life and legacy. Um, so I watched it from that lens and I felt sad. I felt I felt more, you know, I felt sad. I was just like, you know, they were playing my boy. Like <laughs> they, you know, there's a there's a lot that happened in his life um after reading about his early life as well. And and so I, I think I had a more of a humanist perspective even when I watched it again um as a young adult. Yeah. I um yeah, I read the I read the autobiography of Malcolm X in high school. Um, and I think that might have been around the first time I ever saw the movie. And yeah, I, 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 uh, I feel you. I felt all I felt all of that. It, it was it was just like having the ha- having the perspective and knowing the type of life he led was really dope. But then just, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, it just makes you sad, you know, like, how, you know, like, how can you I saw I saw somebody tweet a couple of days about the fact that like, um. I can't remember. It, it, it was it was it was something about the idea of reparations and the fact that, you know, like we, uh, you know, like slavery lasted 400 years. And it's just like the person was the person was just like, I, you know, like I'm not surprised when I see people just so angry at that, because if you think about that for too long, you're going to want to swing on somebody, too. I'm paraphrasing, but it was it was mm-hmm. it was like basically that. And, you know, like watching stuff like that, like especially like as a young adult and, and um, whether you're like a teenager in like your early 20s, it's like. You know, it's really you know, like it, it it fires you up. Yeah, on some, it, on some real shit. It does, especially when you think of black leadership in the community. It's it's just, right. I mean, his his story. I mean, it happened over and over again throughout my parents, you know, young adulthood. Uh, but but I I sense now that's why my mom took me. She thought it was important. My mom was like a, a civil rights. She went through the civil rights movement. She went through yeah. the black arts movement. So she's like, I'm taking my daughter to see this <laughs> at four. We're going. Right. I'm like, OK, a little questionable. But you know what? I probably did the same thing. <laughs> yeah I, w- I would too yeah my yeah yeah um uh, my father also lived through the civil rights era he was at he was at dr king's speech like mm, wow so like, so, yeah so like i have that uh 
you know, he was, he's, he's very much in, you know, he's very much of that cloth too. Like he showed us a lot of stuff young. I wasn't, I wasn't four years old watching Malcolm X, but he definitely <laughs> took us, he did, <laughs> he definitely took us. Um, I'm, I, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I mean like, you know, the earlier, the better. That's just like a funny movie to watch as a four-year-old. Um, yeah. <laughs> and apparently I watched the whole thing. I mean, I'm a Leo. I love drama. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, that'll do it. That's beautiful. Um, so, you know, so, you know, like, as you get older, um, was, I mean, I mean, like, that's already a perfectly good example of this question, but like, was there a movie that you, or was there another movie that you saw when you were older that kind of made you fall in love with movies as something more than just a piece of entertainment? Like, it doesn't even have to be in like an artful way or any sort of thing like that. It could just be something that like really grabbed you and like affected you emotionally or you know, just something that was just like more than just like, this is fun. This is cool. Older, this is funny. Older, you know? but still a kid. Yeah. E e um, I'm either way, like maybe, maybe like as a teenager or like as a, whichever. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. So I grew up only child. And so my weekends, I would find um, like hidden VHS tapes that my mom had <laughs> and I would watch yeah. them in my room and um, two films that really like of course impacted me were um menace to society mm -hmm. was one huge one and then um the color purple was the other one and i those are two films that i would watch like i'm like oh i'm gonna watch it again i'm gonna watch it again and so i'm still at this point at least like maybe 10 years old nine or ten at this point but this is yeah. what i'm watching every weekend <laughs> <laughs> Yo, did you watch them back to back? Um, no, I would pick and choose. Like, is this gonna be okay. a color purple weekend or is this gonna be a menace to society weekend? <laughs> <laughs> Yo, man, like, and it's I never thought about this until just now, but like those two movies are really those two movies are really nice compliments for each other. I mean, like, obviously they take place across time and in different areas of the country, but like, you know, you just think about the way that you you think about the way that menace and the color purple kind of both examine like black manhood and black womanhood like respectively mm -hmm. and like how and like how nuanced and like thoughtful and sad both those movies are like especially menace at that that's that's kind of in the forefront of my or, or i mean like they're both sad let me not say especially i, I only say especially because um I saw Menace the most recently because um, mm. I grabbed it. Um, um, they have it through the Criterion Collection, so I was like, "Yeah, I, I need to own this." And just like, you know, just j just like the just it's it's because like Menace to Society is like a slice of life movie, basically, yeah. and the color purple is the color purple has like a more conventional plot to it, yeah. like 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 that feels more like a story versus Menace kind of feeling like just they filmed a bunch of kids in the projects which i mean they literally did like menace was shot in watts like on location with a yeah. bunch of not actors but either way like like as you got older was there ever a time where you looked at you know like you know you think about like you think about like kane and Celie aren't the aren't exactly the same character but mm -hmm. just like the shit they both go through is they had to like, overcome yes yeah, so overcome. much yeah <laughs> like like, have you ever thought about, like, watching those two movies, it, even if it wasn't back to back, was there ever a time when you just kind of thought to yourself, like, damn, like, 
these two things kind of operate on the same track a little, huh? Like, don't they? <laughs> yeah, it, it made me feel, I mean, even similar to Malcolm X, where I feel like if you are trying to stand for something, whether that even just be standing for yourself, uh, there's a lot of systems around you as a Black person that are just going to draw you away from that or tell you that you cannot do that. And so I think both of those characters experienced that to the max. Seely was able to really overcome, um, but Kane got, you know, taken down and, and was a product of his environment. It informed me, especially when I met um, artists from Los Angeles um, moving into, because I became friends with many rappers and artists in Los Angeles. And I was like, I kind of feel like I know what you're on already just because I used to watch Minnesota Society so much. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, it's it's a lot to overcome the systems of, of the city of Los Angeles, the systems of the Black American South um, and a lot of Black folks that moved. So what I didn't know is that I was finding comfort in the accents and the things I didn't really know about the West Coast um, growing up right. as a huge East Coaster. I was born in B-Moore. My, my dad's from the Bronx. My mom's from North Carolina. So I didn't really know about the West Coast. And when I was watching Minister Society, I actually found comfort in their accents and things like that. Um, I think that drew me to continuing to watch it um over and over not knowing that those characters accents or the character the people themselves were using their real accents based on um being diasporic from the deep south the deep american south so i, I just it's funny how i just latched on to these kinds of ideas and and found comfort in in different things um even younger when i was watching representations of blackness on screen right yeah it's just yeah 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 like there's just like menace feels so alive in in, in a way that a lot of movies just don't you know like mm -hmm. that was you, you, you know like that was the first like watching menace was the first time i'd ever heard anyone say like who got snaps on the petrol you know yeah. like i say that <laughs> like you, you know like, i say that so and you know like i'm from jersey like you know I'm, I'm like born in new york raised in jersey my mom's from long mm. island my dad's from the bronx so like so like oh, my um <laughs> <laughs> so like i had never been over to the west coast before and you know like i said it it's so funny i said that I said that to my girlfriend one day. I was I, I just like jokingly said like who got snaps on the petrol and she looked at me like the fuck does that mean? And I had to be like, oh, like, oh, like over on the West Coast, that's how they say, like, who's got gas money? And mm -hmm. she's just like, why can't people just say things like they, <laughs> why can't people just say what they mean? And I'm like, because it's just, because it's just fly. Like, it's just cool. Like, it's you know, fly. Like, yeah. yeah. I think that, that might have been my first representation of just West Coast coolness. Uh, get, you know, I grew up in, I was still, you know, alive. I know Gen Z can't say this, or Biggie. And <laughs> and and, uh, Tupac had beef and so I I we used to go to school like when I'm little and we're like who do you like better uh Biggie or Tupac like and we're asking each other this but we didn't know we were helping to fuel the East Coast right. West Coast war y'all yeah. were but, kids uh, man that's not your fault <laughs> yeah, we didn't know we we're just saying what we overheard but at the same time I think um that that 
made me not really listen to West Coast rap as much gangster rap. There was like a huge um, disapproval of it in in mass media. And so I was just, right. I was just the East Coast girl. I just listened to what they played on the radio. They weren't playing a lot of West Coast records. So Menace to Society was some, in some ways a gateway um, introduction. Even the scenes of them being in the park, the scenes with their cars, how much they covered, covered a car mm-hmm. culture. I didn't know about that stuff, but it also felt familiar being at the time in the South where we had a slight car culture, uh, bass music in the trunk kind of thing. I grew up with right. that. And so I was just seeing similarities that made me realize, well, this is blackness. This is this is cool black maleness. This is this is the femme position. Like I, I'm just learning from these kinds of movies, even though they weren't the most positive portrayals, they were real. And that right. was a movie where everything, like you're saying, felt so real. I think that's what drew me to it. Totally. And then before we move on, you know, like, of course, The Color Purple takes place in North Carolina, but obviously it's like so, you you know, like it takes place so far back that it's like not exactly relatable in terms of like setting and or maybe not in terms of setting, but at least in terms of like place, if that makes Mm -hmm. sense. But like Mm -hmm. what, you know, like having, you know, like having family from North Carolina, like what was it like watching you know, like, what was it like watching The Color Purple and kind of seeing that story play out as someone with actual roots out there? It felt possible. It it, it just, I, I, I read the book. By the time I got to sixth grade, I actually read the book. And the book was even more visceral than the movie. Um, sure. Yeah. And so I, I was... I was drawn to the movie because of the visuals. When I go out to visit my family, it's just acres of sprawling land and trees and nothingness and and cotton growing. It still actually looks like the set of the color purple right now in 2023. (laughs) So um, yeah, where my family is from, we're indigenous and and not much has changed. There's there's all these... um, kind of tall tales of people how they've intertwined how they got to know each other who came into whose life and that's what the color purple felt like to me um certain characters like oprah's character just appearing and then just being this domineering woman like stuff like that happens in the country so that was also a relevant movie to me i also grew up uh, around like church culture um so so it was a lot that movie was also relevant to me in a in a og way Right. Yeah. You know, just kind of having just kind of having that like having that older perspective on one part of the country, like one that you're like physically connected to and then having this newer, more modern connection to a place you've never been before and having mm-hmm. that kind of mold your mold your expectations, especially for when you for when you go over there. But before but before we get to that, um, when did you I mean, like. I keep on trying to figure out a different way to like structure this question because it feels silly to ask it. But like, when did music, when did music first become a part of your life? Or at least like, when did you, when did you start to like actively, when, when did music become like an active thing in your life that wasn't just you passively listening to music and being like, this is cool. Or like having it be background noise. Like when was it like, Oh, like music, you know? Um, hard to say. Cause I recognize now when I look back that I experienced synesthesia, like basically my whole life. Um, Mm. Like even when I look at photos, 
there's like a photo of me in preschool and everyone's facing one way and I'm looking the other way like I heard something like (laughs) they took a picture of me looking the other way and I'm in a class photo so like sound and music has always just been a part of like my experience I think I started focusing on it once I actually um, moved to the 804 area when I was young um, and I was in like church choirs and school choirs um, as I was writing songs from eight years old and um, it was just something I wanted to work at. I, I saw people like Brandy and 702 and um you know SWV and I was just like right. oh this is this is dope but then I also saw rap rap um really taking a hold as well and started listening to the radio to the DJs because my my parents my mom wasn't into rap surprisingly even though she went through the black arts movement but she um she was more of a jazz R&B girl so um mm-hmm. I, I I was raised to know that music was important um my middle name is Simone so she named me after Nina Simone so it was it was actually like always a part of me to know that music is important and that I could participate in it um but luckily I had some musical talent so I I just started <laughs> to have fun with it and um write my own little songs and play them out for my friends and stuff and be- um and before I forget, for those who don't know, 804, <laughs> that's Virginia area code, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I went to grade school there, high school. Um, yeah, in that area, which is an interesting area, especially for hip hop. There's a lot of hip hop lovers and and now I feel like the last over the last 10 years, a lot of people's new favorites have come out of that area too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, yeah, no, a lot of mine are, you know, like, um, uh, pretty much anybody coming at a mutant academy right now is like, mm-hmm. like flying again and all of them, they're all amazing, you mm-hmm. know, um, concept Jackson, um, he's super dope and there, you know, like, I could sit here and list names all day, but yeah, I feel like, I feel like people are just now starting to realize that like, and you know, like, of course, like, of course, you know, like Missy's from there, Pusha mm-hmm. T, Pharrell, mm-hmm. you know, once again, the list is endless, but um, you know, I think people are just now starting to realize how much talent, because like there are so many people I talk to who don't even know that Missy Elliott's from Virginia, and it's like, how how can I, I don't know? That feels like such a that's just like what <laughs> like how do you yeah, like, like, like how do how do people not know this? You know, like yeah, someone so important. To, like <laughs> yeah, going to school there and stuff. I, I totally understand why it's very. Most of the school systems have very active. Um, arts and music program so there you know I think it's just it's built in the public education even to at least learn how to participate in music um I I never really went to school anywhere else so other than a Boston area but um yeah I just I, I think that's really ingrained and then you have time and resources to like explore that with your friends it's not such a harsh lifestyle where you feel like you're going to get something taken away if you go work on raps or beats for a few hours with your friends. You actually have like that kind of time. So I I see why it happens and people are like, what's in the water? And I'm like, it's the environment and, and the, and also the uh, connections to the gospel, the church culture, the church culture and choir culture is huge. I was on 
a Bobby Jones gospel show with my choir when I was little. Like, wow, that's crazy. <laughs> that, that's regular in Virginia, you know. <laughs> that's, just, that's the social culture. There's really not uh, at the time when I was younger. There wasn't much else. So it was either choir practice, um, theater practice, or, or movie time, or back home making beats for me. That's that's what my childhood was like. Right. And that's like, and, and you're like, that's something that uh, I can't tell you how many people, myself included, were like, just just the whole like, getting into music either happened through church, or through like a music school program, or like, if you mm-hmm. were lucky enough, if, if you were lucky and fortunate enough, you could like, go get lessons from somebody. Like, you know, like having 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 those avenues and and that access, especially after you're kind of watching stuff like watching stuff like menace to society and kind of getting your own perspective on uh, on rap from a different area just off of that you know like and, and just like on top of on top of all the other music that you make now you know like you make you make so many different kinds of music that it's just like you know it, i mean like i feel like i feel like for you it's all kind of rooted maybe not rooted in rap mm-hmm. but like rap is rap. you know like rap is very much a part of what you do no matter what kind of music you're making so like while you're kind of doing all of this and having all these experiences being on being on gospel shows and all this other shit like when did you like when did you know that music was going to become more than just a hobby for you like I, it, like it feels to me like you kind of already figured that out at that point but like what was that moment like i just felt like even from writing songs as a kid I'm like music is such a part of me like my actual identity as a person like I make sense of so much through music whether I'm actively participating in it or I I found um, even in the last couple years even when I'm in a social setting and I'm around a bunch of people and I'm tuning out I'm I'm listening to the music I just like, wow, (laughs) this is actually something that's there for me. This is a force in the universe that is here for me when I need something else. And and my spirit and my existence really relies on it. Um, I have to have music and sound to make sense of things. That's what I used to make sense of uh, being a human. And so once I realized that it's like existentially uh, connected to me, I, I knew that it would be something that I participate in, in many different ways and forms, um, rather than look at it in a conventional way where I think I have to be a pop star. I have to, I actually shied away from that. And I continue to shy away from any conventional notions of what I should be doing as an artist because it really is such a part of who I am that I don't want to get it twisted um so so I I knew um that I will always be participating in music but I always thought it would be in different forms and I think the joy of life um I always say when I'm like 60 I'm gonna start like a screamo band (laughs) (laughs) I oh, just you set these goals. Yeah, I really, I, I will. You'll see. <laughs> You'll see. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna start like a death metal screamo band, like in my 60s with my friends, because my friends who are doing this now, like, we're only gonna get more badass. Mm-hmm. And and that's how I look at music. I, I 
tend to not have the same commercial goals as others that I may meet. And um, I know that any commercial goals are within reach if, if, if I want, you know, it's like, if you really want to go for something, but other than that, this is existential to me. It's a, it's a life force. It's a gift and, and it's an experience making music and sharing music. is just something that I'll just do my whole life. And, and it's, it's mostly something I have to manage, um, especially knowing that I have been placed in a commercial environment. It's something that I have right. to manage, uh, being a part of and um, so this new iteration is me becoming a music professor is something I actually always wanted to do um I never really thought it was possible um to do without my PhD which I do not have a PhD um I do not actually have a master's but I have Mm -hmm. a decade plus of music international music experience and and I I always felt like that I would tell people I'm gonna be a professor but go back to school for this because I just don't they're gonna waste my time I felt like that I'm like they're gonna waste my time I'm gonna write a book uh, who cares like I just want to work with the next generation and um so this is something I've always wanted to do as well um that's just as valuable for me as being a member of the Recording Academy or performing at a festival is it's just as valuable to me um so I, I'm gonna play with with my experience in music throughout my life it's going to change and shift and shape forms i love like first off i love that answer and i love like the six different directions it went in just because like it's just so like like because you saying i mean a a i relate 100 percent on top of you, you, you know like on top of the whole like music being such an integral part of my life you know like as a uh you know, just like as like a journalist and as someone who covers all this music, like this is to an extent, it's, it's it's a huge chunk of my life. And on top of that, I also really relate to just the idea of like wanting to be in a position to help the next generation and just like, you know, like, you, you know, just like be there to help people navigate this shit because there's too many secrets that nobody's willing to tell. And mm-hmm. like, I just don't want to be that one person who's like 40 years old, just kind of off in their own corner and like not just like and just kind of like like just like disconnected from i i I just i just you know you know like like becoming becoming like the crotchety old man is something that's always kind of very scary to me and like and and like that's not the reason why i help people i help people because it's good to help people but like it's it's just like you you saying all of that reminded me of a conversation i was having with my man austin shout out to austin like maybe like a week and a half ago, just about mm. like the whole idea of uh, um, the whole idea of like work life separation and like how that works for us and like can it work? You know, like how, like you, you know, like it it it, it all it all depends on how you look at it and what your relationship with this is. But like, you know, like there are people, you know, like there are people who kind of prefer to keep the work in business uh, on, on the work in life thing completely separate and like music is a thing that's a job and they do it and they enjoy it but then they just kind of go off and have a whole separate life outside of that i mean like we all do but like i mean like to like an extreme extent where it's like there's a sharp binary divide between this is work and this is life you know right. but i tend to i tend to know a lot more people and i am you know me myself and clearly you are people who like 
music is so integrated into like our thought process and our emotional process and just like the way we see the world you know that like that like a work and life split kind of becomes impossible mm-hmm. you know like it, it's it, it's it, it's just like how do you you know like how do you separate those two things when music is already such an integral part of your life you know like and 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 that's and that's something that like I'm content, I'm content enough that I'm cool with that. Not like, like I'm cool with that. I'm cool. With, yeah. I'm cool with music being this huge part of my life. And I guess, I mean, like you already said that you're, you've already said that you've accepted that and you're, you know, you, you know, you're, you're like, you're ready to keep going into your sixties and that's beautiful. Like what, um, you, you like, especially since you became a professor, like what, what's it been like you know, because that's like a different level of commitment, which you already said, but like, what's it like kind of being at that point where it's like, I'm not just living this and like learning the experience in the best possible way, which is by doing it. But like, what's it like kind of being at that point where you're like, oh man, like I'm teaching people about this and like helping to like mold a mind. Like, you know, like the idea of molding a young mind is like, you know, like it's terrifying, but also like really fulfilling and exciting. So talk to me about that. Yeah, I mean, I have 50 students a semester, A, so so (laughs) each year now I'm teaching hundreds of people how to become better beat makers and how to become better rappers, which is what I teach. I teach um, beat making lab and rap lab, and my courses are lab courses, laboratory courses, so we actually take three hours a week and get into how to do this, like, science, Um, and so it's it's dope. It's it's been actually amazing um, to teach people the origins of different beat based music, techno, house, including hip hop. Um, and now this this semester, I'm focusing on rap, which is really interesting because you know it's a rap lab, so everyone is going to have to leave having written some bars. Each assignment right. is writing bars. <laughs> uh, my beat making lab last semester, you had to uh, create sixteen bar loops and eight bar loops, and so my um my practice is very uh, skill oriented, like based on building skills, and you walk out with having a catalog of beats or raps. It's not just me talking about the culture and teaching you the anthropological perspective, although I do that as well, um, just to inform you on how serious you should take the skill and the craft. Um, But it's been amazing. I do have some students that just have cool ideas on hip-hop and rap, Um, some who are already participating in beat makers who are like yeah I want to do my first show I want to put out my first beat tape and and I'm just like yeah okay well this is what you need to have and and for this reason it's felt so fulfilling and refreshing in a way where unfortunately just being in the music industry has not been um I feel as though there are you know artists I've worked with that are dope but um and they they come to me and I can tell they want to be mentored or they they say they want to be mentored but it's like because there's this air of competition even those who want to be mentored feel like oh I don't really want you to tell me anything like I'm gonna be around you but I don't really want you and it's like 
all yeah. right well <laughs> here i can actually say well if this is what you want to get better at if you want your drums to knock you can try this and they don't get offended <laughs> right <laughs> oh she's coming for me when i never was i was it, it helps me it heals me in that way so to realize i was always this person um that was capable at this level of providing this level of guidance um because i do feel like my role within the community is um, to be of service and to help guide um, based off of what I didn't have. Um, I definitely have come up in a time where I was playing raves. I was playing um, underground shows and warehouses in the early, you know, 2009, 2010, you know, and there were not a lot of Black artists around me, if any, there weren't a lot of Black people around me, if any. And right. so a lot of what I've um, learned and have learned to shape my my skills as an artist have been from experience directly and knowing what people say in rooms like you know when when you feel tokenized and you're around a bunch of non- black people and they think that you're the cool black person they say a lot of things and you who yeah. <laughs> learn and i'm like oh mm-hmm. this is what they're gonna think of you okay this is this is why we got to do it like this this is what inspired me to start my label and collective never normal and and it's still the work continuing on into uh, being a professor where i want to inform them basically empower them to have the knowledge and the skill set to be able to walk into any room and be able to converse and to be able to make beats or, or, or write raps with the best people there are. Um, to, to have even that uh, kind of small talk uh, type of facts that they could, you know, share and, and, and have somebody say, oh, what you know about that? And uh, it, it yeah. works. It works. <laughs> so, yeah, so, that, you, so yeah, it's felt very refreshing to, to be able to do that. That's beautiful. Yeah. And, you know, like even just like talking to you for this last like 40 ish minutes, like or, or maybe a little more than that, I forget. But like either way, like you, you even just like talking to you now, like it's just so uh, it's so natural and it just feels great. And I can only imagine that kind of coming through even more in a classroom and just kind of you know, just like having the barriers come down and, you know. Oh, yeah. And and taking the respectability politics out of yeah. education. It's so silly. I mean, if you want to make beats for young nudie and like I'm literally I had a student, I, I have them bring in their stuff. I try to encourage <clears throat> them to be them, to like what they like. Don't put on airs for me or try to bring in something. I'm like, it's, there's going to be cursing. There's going to be this and that. But we're talking about beats. We're talking about rap. And these are the highest grossing uh, forms of music. There are currently, like, let's be real. This is the highest grossing genre. Um, Hip-hop and R&B are the highest grossing genres in the United States. So we're not going to pretend, like, regardless of the respectability politics that people might want to place on them, that it's not the most popular stuff out. And so we're going to look at it. In, in all types of from all types of angles and you want to make a beat like young nudie we're going to listen to the young nudie track i i had to play munch yesterday in class <laughs> <laughs> just to because i had a student who was like what is drill and i'm like oh there's been an evolution uh. of drill and, and and this is this is regular it feels it feels really dope to be able to um hear what some of their questions are 
and it informs me as an artist to know um, more about what people know and don't know or what might uh, excite them into the future. Right. Yeah. And on top of that, it's just exciting for me to hear that Nudie and Ice Spice are being taught in college classrooms because mm-hmm. EA is one of my favorite songs of the last like 10 years. The song that um, uh, Nudie and 21 Savage made and Ice Spice's EP is great. You know, yeah. like way, you know, like she's she's just she's a star. She's gonna like she puts out like a proper project. I, I mean, like this is a proper project, but like if she puts out like a yeah, 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 you know, like it, yeah, yeah, like once like the if the album hits, she's she's certified. You know, like she's already certified, but like I just I fuck with Ice Spice. I think I think she's a. I, I just I just love how like I love how casual she is. Like mm-hmm. she'll like she'll like she'll just like say something like real. Like I was listening to uh. I was listening to Gangsta Boo last night, the song, mm-hmm. and, and and obviously rest in peace to Gangsta Boo, one of my mm-hmm. favorites ever. So so sad. Um, but I was listening to Gangsta Boo, and she said um, she said something on there about like, um, um, uh, I'm his bank, but he won't let me chase or something like that. And like mm-hmm. anybody else, anybody else that wouldn't like anybody else that'd be something that's kind of like okay like it's it's not like the most creative thing I've ever heard but like she's so nonchalant and just like chill about it she just she she said she sold it you know like she sold it so well and like I hear it and like I like like it makes it like it makes it feel like she's the first person who ever said it you know in a way that like yeah she's she's tight Shout out to Ice Spice. (laughs) Shout out to Ice Spice and she's around the age of some of my students and so it's to me I'm like can I teach this level of confidence? Like if, if I don't teach you, I'm going to teach you some technical skills. I'm going to teach you some history and about the culture, but can I teach you how to be this confident? If I could teach you how to be this confident, you were going to take the world by storm because that's most of what you need. Right. <laughs> and you know, and you know, like you learned that from somewhere and you, while you were, and, and you're like, while you were already making music by the time um, you started with them, um, of course, you know, you kind of cut your teeth as a member of Clip Mode with um, Devin mm-hmm. uh, Knowledge and Mind Design. So mm-hmm. you were talking. So you were talking to me about, um, you know, like going over to Cali for the first time. And of course, I or like at the very least, Mind Design and or, or no, Knowledge is from Jersey, but he posted up in Cali. And I think Mind Design is also from Jersey. Wow, they're both and from anyway. Jersey. We all we all used to link up at my crib in Philly. Um, mm, okay, I had I had the headquarters, and I lived in a. <laughs> I lived in Philly and in Northern Liberties. I had the one curb we all used to link up at. And um, yeah, they, they were both in Jersey at the time. And uh, Knowledge came and stayed with me one summer. Like, <laughs> like I had an extra <laughs> room. I'm like, all right, bro, you're downstairs. Like, and so, um, so yeah, it, it was formative. That is where I gained a lot of confidence. I think being in a crew with, um, you know, male identify identities you know that had a level of confidence that maybe I didn't have yet but I formed right in in the group um it was it was a dope experience I was actually the first person though to go to to go to Cali to go to LA and then then they all started coming over and they're like oh she, we gotta get out there we gotta play low wow. theory. yeah damn you know like yeah you know like you were kind of you know, like you were kind of out there and doing your thing, like just before, if not like directly during like the big L.A. beat scene explosion in like the early 2010s, which is like it's so crazy to think about this shit in the past tense, because like 
it's it, like it's been a decade since all of that happened and i and and, and mm-hmm. you're like i've been looking back on like all the all the early stuff that y'all did and just like everything that like you know like kev did with with um that daddy that daddy kev did with um low end and of mm-hmm. course flying lotus and blue and all of them you know it, it's just like and it's just crazy to think about that in the past tense but um what was uh you know like when you got to cali and kind of took what you had learned from um what y'all were doing out in philly like how do you how do you feel california kind of molded and shaped you as an artist like as someone who kind of spent all their time on on several different parts of the east coast yeah at that time by the time i went out there i had been living in philly for like four years and and I was just amazed at kind of the beauty, which is what a lot of producers too that go out there from like even you know Dilla went out there from Detroit. It's like you mm-hmm. go out there, you're like, oh, I'm tired of the winter. That's like the first time, <laughs> the first thing you think, you're like, I'm tired of being so cold. Philly gets so cold too. Um, and then you're like, wait, there's sunshine. Wait, I can stretch. Wait, like the the attitudes of the people are kind of more go with the flow it's like oh no worries people tell you stuff like and and you see his group's called no worries right Mm -hmm. this is something we had to learn we we did not grow (laughs) up feeling like no worries we grew up feeling like you know and people would say that that's something that you hear people say out in LA I was it was funny that they chose that name because I'm like oh that's perfect um it's something we we started saying to each other uh because we never knew that 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 type of ease had never been extended to us. So just um, knowing that that type of ease was possible, that there was a group of listeners out there that want to hear big, expansive music, big beats, very, um, you know, intricate production. It really expanded our minds to know that there was other places that we could go, that I could go and just be me and, and be creative. I mean, you go out there. Man, you go out there and you you get taken to the Stone Stone uh, Studios and people mm-hmm. give you vinyl and then Coleman's loading up your USB with samples. And, you know, like, <laughs> it's, it's just kind of a dream that happened. I don't know if it still happens like that when people go out there, but that really was what was happening at the time, especially being younger. I think we were... As Clipmo, we were some of the younger people to go out there. Of course, we met contemporaries like um, Flying Lotus and Tokimasa, but even those people are still a little older than us. Um, right. So so we were going out there a little, I mean, we were like early 20s going out to LA. And so it was a dream world. It was definitely a dream world for, for me, for sure. Um, I felt like a lot was possible. However, um, I felt like there was more work to do um, once I knew that that was there, I was like, I don't want to get caught up in the sunshine because knowing this is here, I think there's more work to do on the East Coast, too, um, as far as um, just furthering things along for Black femme expression. I didn't feel like Black femme expression was where it needed to be enough for me to like really move out to L.A. at the time. Right. Um, I, I just didn't feel like that. I didn't want to be, I never want to be the only one, you know, I always mm-hmm. want to feel like there's a community now, now there is more. Um, but, but yeah, at that time I was like, let me just go back to New York. It was either, you know, stay in Philly, go to LA or go to New York. And I actually decided to go to New York and, um, and be amongst family and, and just kind of get my New York chops even more down where it's a place I have been traveling back and forth from 
um, for a while being living in Philly. My dad is from the Bronx, but um, yeah. I, I, t- I, what I did was bring the LA ease even to New York. So then I'm starting to play more warehouse stuff. I'm playing bass music. I'm playing stuff that people weren't playing in New York. Like it was really like you make hip hop beats. People were not performing beats out in New York like that um, at that time. All of that was really inspired by L.A. Um, So it it prompted me to even more so start Never Normal for uh, a outlet of expression where people know you can come play whatever you want um i'm not about to make you feel like you need to be you know the next duck down producer (laughs) right yeah totally (laughs) (laughs) which is honestly what was still happening even into the mid-2000s in new york it wasn't a lot of room the only other thing that was happening hip-hop wise was um you know the atlanta rappers were coming eating new york up like right yeah, <laughs> yeah, up yeah every press run every press run they were getting they were getting uh, a lot of love and so new york was actually in an interesting place uh at the time but i think i brought a lot of the la um ease and a lot of the musical sensibilities to the city as i could and um I, i've only seen the barriers broken down from there um, ever since then, I've seen more people. Um, I I even played. I remember 2011. We did a we did a low end theory at the Knitting Factory. Me, Daddy Kev, mm-hmm. and Keeps. That was a lineup. And I mm-hmm. looked back. I just saw that pop up. Like, whoa, that was 2011. I'm like <laughs> rocking low end theory with Daddy Kev at the Knitting Factory, like in Brooklyn. And I just, you know, it it, it was a time where anything felt possible now anything truly feels possible but uh we really had to break those barriers um and and really kind of extend the east to west coast music relations in a way um bridge the gap between production styles on each coast and um yeah it's been a journey for sure right you know and and yeah like i'm I'm happy you said all of that because like you know, like I said before, you, you, you know, like you, you make and incorporate so many different kinds of music into what you do. Like even, um, you know, like even just listening to infinite zones, um, just like hearing, hear, you like hearing like the rap bass, but also just seeing you go into like every different kind of electronic and dance music. And like, you got like ghetto tech going on, you got fucking mm-hmm. bass music going on. You mm-hmm. got fucking like, you got like drumming, you got drum and bass shit going on, which like, I'm having a huge drum and bass moment right now. I've been like banging yes. hella Tokyo pill for no reason, but like, <laughs> but, 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 but like, but like, you know, you got drum and bass next to techno and next to like what sounds like a Mapiano music. Like, mm-hmm. you, um, I, mean, I mean, like um, um, electronic South African music. Like there's just so much. It, it's, it's like almost overwhelming the amount of stuff that you put into what you do and you, you, you know, like your own music and with all the artists you work over with it. Never normal. Just like um how do you I, I guess I'm just like how do you manage <laughs> you know like it's just like it can be it can be it can be so overwhelming and frustrating to kind of incorporate or at least attempt to master one form of music never never mind like nine or ten you know like just like you know like hearing an album like infinite zones is just like I'm just amazed at not just the range but like the ability to keep it all t- together and not just have it sound like every song belongs on a different project you know like 
So like, how do you manage that? Like, yeah. So like zones, infinite zones and the concept of zones itself is Mm -hmm. the manifestation of my real life experiences. So going to these real places and hearing music really played in the real authentic ways um, that the people who create it and play it um, like regionally in these different regions, whether they be regions in the Midwest or regions in the West Coast or regions in East Africa, going in, actually dancing for hours to this stuff or taking it in and um, having my own experience with it, it informs me. That's the best type of education you could really get is going to see yeah. things in real life. So I feel like I've been more than blessed to be able to travel and to attend so many different shows, like so many different festivals, yeah. just even not even always playing. Like there, there was times, there were so many times where I just get invited to things and I, I have a takeaway, you know, every time. And I started to tell myself, hey, you need to capture this. You need to capture these takeaways. You need to actually like try to document these takeaways in your own way and 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 play the zones i'm like that's the zones different time zones um that's hard yeah being being in cali or being in tokyo or being wherever i'm at and, and just knowing that there's this one constant threat of you and your lens and your perspective um that you can lend to people musically and so um i i I basically catalog each experience. Sometimes I'll even be in the club and I'm I'm taking like a note of something. It, it might be the most obscure thing, like oh, like it's in the red, eleven fifty nine p.m. Like something, you know. And yeah. I, I remember what that means. And when I go sit down, I say, okay, what were my notes from my life? And I sit down and I. I make things, um, uh, some of the terms, some of the phrases that are said on some of the tracks are like things that the names and titles of different tracks are things I actually thought in the moment while dancing or experiencing in, in different nightlife scenarios. Um, so that's kind of how I, I open myself up to even just experiencing. Um, and I go through periods where I'm like, I'm not about to just make tracks. I'm not one of those producers um that just binge make tracks like every day though like I'm not like oh I'm about to sit down make beats like I found that that was like restrictive for me I actually come and I said oh it feels like this cup is full enough of inspiration for me to sit down now and now I'm going to create and I'll give myself a little deadline um but I actually make tracks really fast and I make them kind of all in one sitting so uh, that leads to the sonic palette um, not going too far out. But every once in a while, I'll find something that I made three months ago, four months ago, maybe even a year ago. I say, oh, this this fits with the rest of them. And this this captures the moment. Um, but but there is a curation process with that. Um, so so that's kind of a bit of my process for how I try to uh, create. It is like usually all in one foul swoop I sit down and I just say oh this is this is the week that I'm about to just make as much as I can and see what I like in the end (laughs) (laughs) yeah you know like I love like like that's beautiful you know just like in the sense that like like you know like everyone's process is different 
but not everyone can just like encapsulate all those different sounds. Cause like I listen to people like, you know, like you and people like Jada Lorraine and people like J words and just like, you, 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 and you know, like, I mean like Jada, as far as I know, Jada's just a DJ, but like you and J words, shout out to J words, by the way, I hope Jen's doing good. Um, Y'all are both like DJs and producers and mm-hmm. the, and the way that, uh, and you know, like the way that, you know, you, you know, like the way that, I'm 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 always really interested in people who can like do all sorts of those different things, like whether they be like a rapper producer or like a producer and a DJ or you know like because like those two, those two or three or however many different forms always kind of are kind of like in conversation with each other and like I can tell that I can tell the way that your experiences as a DJ definitely contribute to the way that you produce especially talking about the way you just curated everything I just think that's dope I I, I didn't have a, anything else to say <laughs> yeah I would I would also attribute a lot of that to my formative time around low-end theory um, right, low-end sure, theory sure. has and continues to inspire me the two things that have inspired me the most as far as my performances have been church and low-end theory and I'll, I'll just say that in <laughs> because Low in theory was like the church of big beats and bass. And you wanted, I say that because both of those experience experiences, they call for a certain effect that, they, that um, gets enlisted out of the people. Like uh, in church, you want a catharsis. And I think you want it all to pour out. You want to be able to scream. You want to be able to to cry, to run up and down the aisle, whatever you need to do. And in low end theory, you kind of wanted to hear the biggest bass. You wanted your face to melt off. You wanted mm-hmm. to make that scrunched up uh, face. like, And you would know that you're really doing your job. <laughs> and so um, that effect it, it informs my performances to this day. I feel like if things aren't hitting things are slapping um, and, and the beat's not really making you contort your body, then what am I doing? I don't feel effective. <laughs> right. Ex- yeah, exactly. Exactly. I don't want, I don't want to dwell on this too much because I know we're kind of running out of time, but um, I saw um, what's it called? Daddy Kev played his first show in New York in five years, maybe about two, three weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, my, uh, my home girl, Ariel Legrand, shout out or, I hope I got her last name right. Shout out to Arielle either way. Love you. Um, she hosted a show. She hosted a show um, um, with Kev and just like seeing, you know, like him and a couple of my homies, uh, Nothing New and Wavy Bagels out of Jersey. Shout out to both of them too. Um, just like seeing them, you know, it's like just like being in an environment that's in any sort of way, shape or form like low end theory, because I've never been to a low end theory. I've only mm-hmm. been to California once in my life, but like kind of having that experience and just like seeing the way people react and just like you know like I'm that type of person too who like you know like I I don't you know like I don't feel right at those types of shows if the bass isn't like shaking my heart you know like giving me palpitations type shit like Mm. that's 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 what I want so Mm. like so you like getting to experience that with someone as formative to that kind of seen in a modern context as daddy kev and you know like people who are really moving and shaking like j words and like nothing new and like wavy bagels like it's just uh, you really can't put a price on that type of stuff. Like that's like that's where the sweet spot of life is for me personally. Yeah, so. that's the facts. Yeah, and um, and also you know like before before I even forget, you know like we were talking earlier 
about you know like you uh you know like you kind of bringing a different type of representation for um 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 for women and femme identifying people with never normal and then of course you know like you link up with Issa Rae um either no no it was last year you um 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 you link up with radio and you do everything with them um um with the creators program so like walk me through that experience like what was it like working with Issa Rae and radio to kind of um because because like one thing um I like like after I think maybe about the second half of the second season I fell off insecure not because I didn't Mm. like it I really enjoyed it I just kind of fell off but Mm -hmm. one thing I always loved about the show was um their music supervision like the like like the music they picked was always on point like they you know like they had people on the ground like I could tell and Issa Rae seems like she's someone who's really devoted to music so like talk to me about what it was like working with her and working with the uh the radio creators program yeah, so the Radio Creators Program was a program um, and is a program that uh, they partnered with Google to select four different femme-identifying uh, uh, musicians of color. Um, and m- m- the majority of us were Black. Th- there were three um, Black uh, artists, and there was one Asian-American artist who's an amazing composer. So her and I represented the composers and the other two represented singer songwriters um and so we all were given an amazing budget to be able to uh create a catalog for their library of music for film and tv and we also went through um a some time of trainings with them, just meeting different people. They they basically uh, took some time to like mentor us, have us meet. Like this is Issa Rae's business CPA. Like sat us down with her. Like <laughs> right, who was another black femme. You know, it it was so encouraging. It made me feel so um seen, and it made me feel like the work I've been putting in independently um, for, you know, my label, Never Normal, is is all for a reason. Like, it can really take people, and it, it does take people places, and that, that you work for your team, that you that you really put on for those who are around you, that you believe in, that you know we need to uplift each other. And that's what I feel like Issa Rae is doing when I was able to talk with her she's just like well yeah you're you're down with the family now and i'm just like wow like you know every no one people (laughs) even in underground music don't talk to you like that people you know Mm -hmm. people feel like they need to protect so much and this woman who has literally gained the world knows that it's important to inspire people the next generation it's important to inspire the future composers I mean me myself I want to compose more for film and tv like that's that's been on a part of my goals I've achieved it some way I haven't scored a film uh, a, a feature-length film just yet but I do want to and I'm like it's now more possible I told them I mean why can't I be like the Trent Reznor black girl like why come why on can't, now that's come what I want to do you know <laughs> that's what needs to happen and, and yeah. so my collection was when we had to present our collection uh, to the public I said you know electronic music scoring there's um some 
notable people, people like Trent Reznor, um, who is also a musician and has a full-fledged band, but can switch it up and be respected as a composer. And that's that's what I'm going for. But in the music business, people need to continue to put us in places to make that possible. So I do feel like working with Issa and radio, they are working to put me in a place like that. So I can, it might not happen today or tomorrow, but um, I am currently scoring something, something cool that I'll announce soon. So stand up, look oh, out yeah. for that. I'm scoring a, a cool media project coming up and I've had more scoring opportunities each year, more and more. So, uh, so yeah, I, I'm so, I was so happy to experience that. And for once, and especially um, coming from a black another black femme to to just get patted on the back and, and say hey this is you actually worth a lot like here here's here's a good budget yeah. and and I was able to pay my own musician friends violinists bassists um percussion players like I was able to pay them to just record with me and record this collection that I had in mind um and and that felt so great to just be able to give some people in my community like uh something that is it feels like yeah I'm, I'm breaking you off right now like this is this is good this is where I want to be like <laughs> and and it's a rain does that daily so she's now empowering other femmes in the game to be able to do that too and I'm like yo this is the type when we talk about equity this is it this is true equity yeah Yeah. this is true equity that's that was a theme of my life last year between that and and uh becoming a professor it's just like true equity is is possible and we have to keep pushing for it Right. Yeah. And yeah, I just want to say before I ask you my last question, like, you know, just like black women femmes, if y'all are listening, which I hope you are like, y'all are priceless. <laughs> like, you know, like you're, you, you know, like y'all are the reason that our culture moves and shakes the way it does, you know, like your, um, like your representation and your perspective and your presence is not only what inspires us, but like where like, like y'all are the center of this shit. You're priceless you 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 deserve everything and more like if you know like if like if they make you an offer double it like please like you know please 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 you know like that's 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 something that i want you know yeah you know like especially black women and femmes listening like y'all are the world so please just like that yeah like that 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 made me real emotional sorry <laughs> you you saying all of that i was like, uh, like. it is it's, it's something <laughs> precious it's something precious and yeah. it's something that we haven't said out loud enough you know i have a track Facts. called love me louder or it's called louder and it's just about that like don't just you mm-hmm. know even even shout out jungle pussy she said don't be undercover loving me you know mm-hmm. <laughs> don't yeah. do that like Say, say our names in these rooms speak our names you know it, for people who pitch things like say our names be loud about us put us put us on put us put put us push us forward um our allies have the ability to do that and we can be each other's allies too and and right. that's you know that's what i aim to do um projects i put out you know we put out never know more we put out j words first project um at that time, I mean, it, it was a lot. It's a lot of growth that's happened since then. And I, when I see her now, I'm like, 
this is what I wanted for you. You know, this is this is where I want right. you. This is what this is. This track led to a whole EP, you know, a whole project with another person. You know, when I see her working with Masai. Oh, like, man. Air is amazing, bro. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, this is and that that stems from the time we're together that where, you know, I encourage her. Hey, you should work with some peers amongst. She's like, well, I could collaborate with you. And so, so she tried to put some ideas together, but I'm like yo, work with people around you. That's going to be the best thing. You're going to be able to create real relationships off that. And and the wow, how I've gotten to see that grow. Like, this is exactly what I wanted. And and I feel like the same way Issa Rae is going to be able to look at me in a few years and say, this is exactly what I wanted. And, and this is mm-hmm. what we have to do. This is just what we have to do. Right. Yeah. Nah. Um. What's it called? Um. Um. Not only. Not only were J words and Masai the second episode I ever did of this podcast. Jen did the theme song for this. Oh, like, cool. she, like you hear you, you. So you know, like every every episode of this show since 2021 has begun and ended with J words as music, and it's gonna be that way for the foreseeable future. You know, like I. You know, you, you, and you know, like I just try to. That's important to me. You know, like Jen is someone whose work I respect a ton and um to see her grow and just like i didn't even realize that y'all were affiliated so that's even better you know like i love i love that like that's a full circle moment in and of itself but you know like i say you know like i say that to say that you know like i do what i can whether it's through this or through my work at pitchfork um i like like i just try to put on for as many for as many people specifically black women as i possibly can you're like i can't do everything but i you know like that's all we can like like, that's like the base of what we can do is just like say Mm -hmm. names Mm -hmm. attempt to make shit happen even if it doesn't happen like you know we're all we got like we're all we got and and that's that's really that's really how i move and i'm glad that's how you move and and that's that's really what it's about Right. And 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 I, I know you got to go. Very last question for you. If your life was a movie, what would it be about? And would you score it? Would you score your own? Would you would you score the movie of your life? I would absolutely score the movie of my life. <laughs> uh, Zones is actually little mini scores of my life. And uh, mm. yeah, if you really listen. And then uh, what would it be about? what would it be about I mean we didn't really get into my life story but I think when I do make it I think I will make this in my lifetime it's a goal it's a goal to show people of uh, how surreal my life has been um, <laughs> I think there's some things that they would have never expected um and and so how could this girl just dream up this world like how it, it would be around that and around the many colorful characters um, <laughs> that have been a part of that that world building for me um it would really show it'd be raw I feel like I wanted to be raw like minister society like showing the real raw um experiences but at the same time having surrealism a lot of surrealism even like um you know, similar to um, uh, Random Max of Flyness, you know, that's yeah. that's something amazing uh, work of works of art that we've been recently blessed to see. And and yeah, it, how how can I go from all these places? It would be a very global movie. Um, 
it, very surreal. I don't think there's a movie out like what I would make about my life. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I mean, I mean, you know, like, you, you know, like that, that different never before seen type of shit is what usually pushes things forward. So yeah, like, that's great. You know, like, I, I like, I like, I like that if that were to happen, there isn't really like a, a template for that. You know, like that's, that's, that's more exciting to me personally. Yeah. They're but, not a um, template for me. Like that. Right. <laughs> this has been truly original content. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, in, in every in every way, shape, and form, you know, like it, like, you know, like and just yeah, your your story and the things that you've been able to accomplish and just like the positions that you've filled and the people you've helped and the music you've made and just like you you've you've done so much. You've done so much and you know just like as a fan and as someone who's someone who's kind of admired your work from afar just like thanks for thanks for the work thanks for putting in thanks for putting in the work and putting on for other people and just like this was so dope like thank you so much for a great convo like this is this is so much fun and just learning more about you was a treat so I appreciate you yes thank you so much and shout out the listeners if you made it this far you're the realest yeah no that's a fact right there damn thanks for listening shout out to y'all for making it this far and shout out to all the black people listening too because y'all really impeccable don't forget to like subscribe and tell a friend to come through next time one